Sci-Fi for Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Purses. They make purses. Don't even begin to they, ask they the questions. Liked, they liked the Plastic Man van photo. Why? Okay. Do we really want to do this? I because I can go in here and I can find... There's I a don't. vintage clothing store, which... The vintage clothing is awesome. There are four items of male clothing in here. Yeah. Now, admittedly, I do own a selection of vintage dresses because you got to put something your actresses in something, and once you sure. find those things, you better grab them now if you can oh. afford them. There's a fantastic town, uh, place here in town on the far east. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but they've got a ton of great vintage clothes. No, oh. uh, so but that's not who these people are. I have no idea who these people are. Welcome, everyone. This episode of H Two O. My name is Jason Hunt, and I am Timothy Harvey. And this is... Our political episode, where we will no, thrash no, out the... No. no, This is a safe space. Oh, thank God. Today is a safe oh, space. Oh, God, I'm so... No. Because... We don't, we don't need that right now. Tim needs a safe space. <laughs> I probably do, too. All right, so uh, instead of... Yeah, it, politics, you can get anywhere else. That's right, and, and quite frankly... Um, that's not what we set up this. This is not what this no, is for. No. Um, if, um, if although, there, if, although we did debate at one point starting a politicsformee.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it had to be. It had, it, we for the folks had to that were just seconds. listening to this, I'm taking my fingers <laughs> and putting a gun and placing it to the side of politicsformee.com my slash right. Politicsforme.com slash left. Right. Lord, yeah? No, let's not. Let's no. just not. Okay. Instead of, instead of politics. Yeah. We're going to talk food. Excellent. Because, you know. What usually on social media, mm-hmm. when there's not all of the political gas baggery going sure, on, sure. Mm-hmm. you either have cat videos, mm-hmm. which I'm all for, or I vote, you know, I some, vote yes, some on sort cat of pet. Videos. You know, the, the I, uh, one I got today, somebody somebody sent me a, a German Shepherd grabbing a kitten by the head and taking them up the stairs because the kitten was having trouble getting up the stairs. Okay. So at least it's a helpful I'm going to German I'm ship. going to grab you I'm going to put your head in my mouth <laughs> and pick you up and take you upstairs. What a terrifying thought. But that kind of thing doesn't translate well into podcasts. Well this is because true. of the visual element. Well not to mention the fact that for those of you who are watching us on video, the stairs are completely inaccessible for that sort of That's thing. Right. Right That's right. That's right. And I don't have a German Shepherd and or a cat. So I, although his head will does Dislocate, and you remember the, remember the flip top head commercials with a with a reach toothbrush. He can do that. It's I am really secretly, terrifying. I am secretly a member of the visitors. Uh, one you point hit it here first, folks. One point not the reboot. Uh, mm. No, but but the other thing, yeah. you know, you've got cat videos, you got animal videos, and you got pictures of food. And I take it as a point of pride that I have never actually photographed <laughs> my food. Other I, people's food. Yes, I, I have photographed other people's food. I My will own sometimes. Food? No. I will sometimes take a photograph of something that I'm cooking because I'm, you know, mm. I'm trying something new, or sure, I'm sure. trying, okay. to, yeah. and I'll send to a friend of mine and say, "Hey, I'm trying this," what but not think? posting it out to the world. No, of social no, media. I'm not going to broadcast it like that. <laughs> not to so, mention. I just, my food is just not that exciting. Yeah. Well, because I got to thinking. That's the problem. I'm actually ashamed of my food. In, in, my food in, doesn't with, stand up as well as other people's food. Well, <laughs> and sometimes you don't want your food to stand up. Oh, no. I prefer my food to lie still. 
<laughs> now, some food, some food, depending on your uh-huh. culture. I mean, Klingons like gach. Sure, sure. Yeah, and sometimes you want the worms uh-huh. to be slithering, right. but of course, generally speaking. Yeah, but I got you know I got to thinking in in all of this back and forth on the politics this week. What is something that is sort of an antidote? You know, something that's a little bit on the polar opposite. And, sure. And and my immediate thought was jelly babies. There you go. And I thought, well, we could. I don't know that we could do an entire episode about jelly babies, although we could try. <laughs> do not put it past us. But I got to thinking, you know, jelly babies, and then there's blue milk, you know, fish sticks and custard. Sure, yeah. and, and I got to thinking, you know, we could actually go through an episode about various different food items that have shown up in, in science fiction and such and completely decompress. <laughs> And relax, and you know, and not have an audio record of perhaps a stabbing. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we even, maybe we even do this episode in our NPR voices. Oh God, uh, yeah. Well, as a as a regular NPR listener, that the the standard NPR voice. Um, I mean, you've kind of got that anyway, but the best the best people to listen to to get the standard NPR voices on the weekend, actually, Scott Simon Saturday mornings, because mm. he's the old major NPR voice. He's the one who talks like this. He's got a great, great radio. Maybe voice. maybe that's what we should do. You but know, we create a safe space for the last for year or so. I got voices. news: the NPR NPR voices have not been—they've <laughs> been. I mean, just—it's not been a safe space over an NPR it's, either. It's been every range because I mean the the emotions have run high all over the place. So it's huh. been—it's been a much more Can't imagine that. It's a much more uh, um, varied trend. <laughs> that 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 theme is is a wonder is a wonderful. I don't even want to use the word stereotype. It's a wonderful idea of what. Uh, news radio should be. Uh-huh. It, it hasn't been that way for a while, but still, well, Saturday morning, Scott Simon, I will highly recommend. It. Oh well, yeah, and there's and there's a difference between public radio voice and news voice to oh, me. Well, you know, because uh, okay. I hear Walter Winchell, mm, sure, or or Walter Cronkite, or mm. Edward R. Murrow, uh, um, as opposed to the NPR, which is. A little bit more sedate, I guess. You know, the stereotype. Yeah, anyway. I think that's that's really a, a product maybe of the seventies and the eighties. I think really the um, they do they do much like it much like the BBC goes for a particular kind of voice. Received King, was it received King's English? I think it's what it's called or standard. Something, yeah, standard something like that. Um, it's that very distinct. This is a British accent. Oh, we could do you fake know. British accents. We could talk like Robin Leach. We could do since we're talking food. I think he's actually supposed to really be British. We're talking food. <laughs> we're talking. I've never food. believed it. <laughs> uh, we we could talk. We could do Guy Fieri. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Personate Guy Fieri. Uh, Maybe uh, no. I actually do a good English accent. Uh, uh, good English accent. A good Scottish accent. I did a very fake good British Irish. accent for a video that we did on our on uh-huh. our YouTube channel. It's very fake British accent. I am. Um, I have never been able to quite get the Welsh accent down. I've even lampshaded the mm-hmm. very fake sure. British accent. All right, so and I have to try. I have to try to do very, very hard to think really hard to do an Australian accent. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I swear to God, I start starting to sound like George Bush the younger oh. attempting to do a British accent. It sounds. Really I would think weird. that you'd probably skew into Cockney. Well, because it ends up going a little more Texan because of the, the longer the longer sound. Well, sure, of sure. the Australian accent can often right. go into a southern sort of southern Texas draw. accent draw, and it, I, it's like. 
sounds like George W. Bush trying to fake British accent. It's not a good sound. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. <laughs> it's very Sometimes odd. you need a knife to cut through some of this food. See, I'm trying to, I'm trying to break it well, back to our, yeah. our In topic some cases, here. one would think. <laughs> use, use your silverware where applicable. That's right. Uh, okay, so Jelly Babies, mm-hmm. of course, is a favorite. Uh, fourth and Doctor. Fourth Doctor. Um, eighth Doctor. Eighth Doctor. And, well... Twelfth Doctor. Twelfth Doctor as well. Uh, the a, a candy which was not available in the U.S. during a significant chunk Still of the original isn't. PBS. You can order it. You can order it. You can order it. But um, you can't buy it in the U.S. You have to order... Whenever I've ordered it, I've ordered it through Amazon, and it actually has to come from England. There's um, not a there's not a U.S. distributor, as far as I can find. No, I think what ends up happening for some of the places, and I'd have to double check. There have been a uh, my family's Scottish, so there have been a number of um, Scottish shops and Scottish restaurants, little smaller operations that tend to be open like just on the weekends or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find some of that stuff. They have their own little mini grocery marts. Uh, yeah, actually, although I don't publish food to Facebook, there is a photo of a can of haggis that I saw at a Scottish festival. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. I see, yeah. Which is kind of terrifying if you think about it. It's, it's the Scottish equivalent. haggis. It's the Scottish equivalent of spam, really. <laughs> they are nothing alike, by the way. But they, it's it's the same thing. It's like if you, if you ever looked at a can of spam and went, what would make me want to buy this? Didn't, didn't, the, spam, didn't spam come out of the space program like Tang did? You know what? I don't think so. For some reason, and, and we don't. Or was it? Or was it a war? A war thing? We have an intern here. Maybe she can look that up online. Um, Maybe. But uh, because I want to say it preceded it, because it ended up being very popular with. Um, is it? Is it Polynesia? There's mm. there's there's a there's a an Asian or South Pacific country I think which really really likes spam. It's just you know, one of those cultural foods. Yeah. So I want to say it precedes the space program, but but we can, maybe we can find out here. Okay. Um, but we'll look that up during the break. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's... Spam and Tang. I miss Tang. <laughs> I loved Tang. Tang was one of my childhood drinks. Now see, time. now Tang. You know, we talk about in in fiction mm-hmm. stories. Tang actually was real, and it actually was developed for the space program. Right, and I think that that instant. Juice. Some of the best science Ish. fiction food has that sense. So, for an American audience who doesn't know what a jelly baby is, we should probably. It's essentially a gummy bear. Yeah. Sorta. Texture's yeah. different. Um, it's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit. Mm, I don't want to say it's harder, but it's a little bit stiffer than a gummy bear. Yeah, it has. A, it has a, and it's a, got a harder pow- consistency, almost, almost like a powdered sugar, mm-hmm. but not a powdered sugar. It's like a powder coating on right, it. Right, and the flavor, the the flavors are not necessarily what you would think by looking at the colors. Now, American candy colors do not translate into flavor at all. No, there isn't the, and the Jelly Babies are not as as tart. Right, sweet yeah. mm-hmm. as as a gummy bear. You know, you, you bite into a gummy bear, you get that that burst of yeah. You know, the now, jelly baby is not so much. Um, early con days. We talked about conventions in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, the the conventions I would go to in Wichita, you could buy jelly babies because somebody somebody there had a you know had a batch of them, and they were, yeah. they were, once they were gone, they were gone. You know, it's like, oh sure, yeah, you I've can't got replenish. A, I've got a hundred bags. First come, first serve. Takes me almost a week to get them. 
And then you would get, and but they would also give you a little paper bag, so sure. that you could roll it down, sure. so that you could have the. Because I mean, Tom Baker was always pulling this bag out, and the edges were rolled down. Yep. So he could, and I saw always the, <laughs> we were we were constantly finding out that if you weren't careful, your little bag of rolled up it would uncome in <laughs> your pocket, and that little powder, that powdered uh, surface would right. get everywhere. But um, it was something very interesting about it because. It was a disarmament measure for a character who would, in the middle of this situation, you know, guns pointed at his head, would sit there, reach into his pocket and pull out candy. Yeah. You know. My uh, my son, was it, I don't know if it was last year or the year before last. I can't, I, mean, I guess maybe it's been two years now. He did Halloween, uh, did the trick-or-treating, mm-hmm. dressed as the fourth doctor. Mm-hmm. With the jelly babies. Mm-hmm. So as he's going around trick-or-treating and hitting the neighborhood to collect candy, he's also passing out candy. Because sure, when people sure. come to the door, he's like, would you get, Would you like a jelly baby? <laughs> it was so funny. And they were like, wait, 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 no, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it would throw people off because, you know, yeah, he's doing the whole trick-or-treat thing, but... right. It, it, he flipped it, and and people thought that was rather clever. It's interesting too because it's it's a iconic science fiction food stuff that still has a very relatively narrow knowledge base among fans. If you're not a Fourth Doctor fan, yeah, um, I mean, because a lot of up until really, um, I think Paca- uh, Capaldi bring, bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Even for for modern Doctor Who, there hasn't really been any references to it. I mean, there's been like a one-off here or there, but it hasn't been a thing. Yeah. And uh, for American audiences, you know, that was a Tom Baker thing, and that's the '80s. Yeah. So it's been a long time coming. But for if you, if, but if you're a Doctor Who fan, it's something that is kind of built but in. I like also the fact, and it does it does play into uh, what they had been talking about when they brought the show back. Uh, it came back stripped down it was mm-hmm. just the doctor and here's who he is he's a time traveler he's very very old right. you have the companion you get the the tardis and as you progress through tenant's years and smith's years uh they were able to start adding different pieces sure. of the mythology back into it so by the time you get to capaldi everybody is okay yeah you're ready for that older mm-hmm. doctor um and i think probably as part of that the Jelly Babies were just kind of one of those little bits. It may have fallen by the wayside and Capaldi brought it back. Or maybe they were just like, okay, now it's time because he's more like Baker well, he's also than the, the other. he's also the, you know, the super fan doctor. So, right. I mean, he'd be, he'd be a little like, okay, what can I bring back this week? <laughs> exactly. You know, kind of the mindset that he seems to have. I the, the time, um, what sold Capaldi for me just totally, mm-hmm. I was completely on board, was on uh, the train on the Orient Express mm-hmm. when he was lying in bed, staring up at the ceiling, and did almost a letter-perfect impersonation of Tom Baker. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, he gets it. He knows what he's doing. He, he's <laughs> oh, see, exactly I, 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 was, I was longing for that, although that episode probably was... That sealed it for me. That probably was one of the ones that... Um, seemed because there was some question in my mind about 
the com- the, the chemistry between uh, Coleman and Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Not that it was bad. It was just it, it hadn't Different. quite it hadn't had, quite clicked because because well and part of it was there was a conflict in a way that that the characters generally don't have conflict. The Doctor yeah. and the companion don't generally have conflict, and to that degree. And so that mo that episode where where they're on the beach and he's talking about you always have to choose. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your choices are terrible, but you still have to choose. To me that was that was all the all the dark doctor moments where there he's sitting there and talking about how tough it how the things that he do he might be the hero, but sometimes he's not nice. Yeah. And sometimes he's not and the character is sometimes not kind. Um, which is something that um, when we had the the I am a god of mm. tenants end right um, and the, the merely saying my name should make you run in terror of the Smith years uh, the fact that Capaldi's you know that sort of bring it back to that seventh doctor and the darker moments of the fourth doctor where they were sitting there going. Well, sometimes you gotta, yeah. Sometimes you gotta blow up a planet. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not cool. I wish I didn't have to do it, but you know, sometimes you gotta. Um, Speaking of blowing up a planet, yeah, Star Wars. There's wait, they ate in Star Wars. There's there's <laughs> there's meal. Um, I think it's officially bantha milk, but of course everybody knows it as blue milk. Sure, right. Um, and fun fact. <laughs> I'm I'm going to post this on Instagram. The the uh the drinking dispensers that they used yeah. in that mm-hmm. were actually Tupperware containers without the lids on them. Mm-hmm. I have one. <laughs> I have had one since I was nigh on maybe 5 years old. It's still in my refrigerator. It's 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 a, it's a water pitcher now. Mm-hmm. Um I've always used it for water and and it's that's the I, and I don't know which viewing of Star Wars uh, it was where I where I finally noticed that. I'm like, hey, hang on. So having done production design for several films and been the art director for several uh, films, uh, this is something that happens all the time. I mean, I, it's really, oh yeah. really cool yeah. where how many things are repurposed. And uh, pay attention if you are a, a, a fan of science fiction films, which I presume you're going, you argue if you're listening to Wait, this. Know, people right? listening to this? Uh, pay attention to guns in science fiction films uh-huh. and how often they're reused. Oh, yeah. And how much this prop ends up in a different film. Or... Especially in the older films. Oh, sure. Yeah, especially the serials. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah but you was... still see it now. You still see it in um, a lot of films where, especially if you have the kind of film where it's essentially a riff on Alien or Starship mm-hmm. Troopers or yeah. whatever it is, you'll see the same weapons pop up because they went to the same production house. It's yep. like, same I need, house. I need alien weaponry. Okay, you'll take a number five, a number three, <laughs> and number yeah. two. Here you go. And it's 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 kind of fascinating. But I'll, some of the, especially in the early days of, of things like Star Wars, I wouldn't say the early days of science fiction film because it was different. Um, you look at some, when when the explosion of science fiction films came out of the late seventies and has carried on. Mm-hmm. You would find these things where these very ordinary items that would be turned into something. It's like, hang on, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, there's some there's some fantastic films. Go you know, watch the first Terminator film, 
watch uh, well watch watch Star Trek the motion picture and look at look at things around the set mm-hmm. very carefully yes. you'll start recognizing things it's it's really cool because you don't have any money and I've had to do some very very entertaining things without any money and go well if the camera is pointed here mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like a real thing do not move the camera yeah well uh, um, Star Trek 2 uh, they did a lot of that stuff, but when in the in the uh, scene where Spock, where he has the where he's mm-hmm. got the book and he reads from you know, best of times, worst right. of times, message Spock, and in that little arboretum, mm-hmm. the greenery that's in the foreground, in the wide shot where they're back off right. in the back, the greenery in the foreground is a miniature. Right. It's forced perspective. And mm-hmm. I actually did this on a movie that I made where I get these little miniature trees the, for, the, for the model railroad yeah. landscapes. Uh-huh. I had those because I'm shooting in March and there's no tree. You know, the leaves don't have any trees. Mm-hmm. And, and trees don't have any leaves. So I had to put up fake the trees. The leaves don't have any I, trees either. I shot through mm-hmm. the fake trees right. toward the building I was in. So so that forced perspective stuff, you know, that that's money-saving tricks that you – don't normally know about until somebody says, well, this is how we did it. And they go, oh. Well, and that's, that's the best thing about some of this stuff that you have. And, and speaking of Doctor Who, there's been plenty of those where <laughs> oh, yeah. really badly. Uh, but they were shooting on videotape, which really is, mm-hmm. I found a videotape, uh, a video, record, video camera recorder. Yeah. 1980s model does at a vintage work? store, I have no idea. But I looked at it, and I was like, that. "This is terrifying." We'll have to test that. It is so it's full, full VHS. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't buy it. I didn't oh. buy it. But I'm not sure who else would. So I might be able to find it again because it was huge. Yeah, I mean, it was probably a foot and a half. By De- definitely would a be foot tall. be a good prop to have. But you'd put it. You literally put the VHS tape into it uh-huh. and recorded it. Regular size. Regular size. And I was just like, wow. Might need to experiment with so, that a little bit. Let's see if we can find that again. But I was like, what That's, is this thing? Oh, oh, I know, I know how I know what we could do with that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about it. I, that, I just it just popped yeah, yeah. into my head the perfect thing for that. Um All right, what okay, else we got? so we got um Slurm from Futurama. Oh wow, yes. <laughs> do we even want to talk about Slurm? <laughs> do we have to? It's the uh, name of it's no. called Slurm. I mean, we, don't, else, we don't have to talk about it. What else do you need to know? It's like it's, uh, you don't want to know what's exactly. in it. <laughs> it's like Soylent Green. Yes. Oh, so, so, Soylent Green is, is another one on this list? Well, considering that there's actually a food out there called Soylent. Yeah. There's a food you can buy called Soylent, mm. which is, by the way, having some difficulty. <laughs> what? They are having difficulty with some people getting really, really sick eating Soylent. And this is not a bashing of Soylent. I, don't, I cannot speak anything to the quality of their product. Mm-hmm. This is not me. And please don't this sue me. This is just me. reports that this is, yeah, this is This is how this yeah. has been causing some real concern. But all I kept thinking when I was reading this news story is, wait, you named your product Soylent? <laughs> and you didn't expect problems? <laughs> Did you? It's kind of like me going, you know, Hi. My name's Darth Harvey. I mean, come on. <laughs> You're going to be the right. Wait, what? <laughs> no one's going to, you know. Um, the Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster from Checkers Got the Galaxy. As a drinker, not to excess too often, but as a drinker, <coughs> you have never seen me drunk, sir. No, I have not. <laughs> nor nor do I wish to. And that's okay. I don't, I don't, I try, don't, don't get drunk in public. But, uh, 
having read the ingredient, does it have the ingredients on there? Um, let's see. Well, this is kind of the make your own real version of them <laughs> type <laughs> no, of thing. Okay, no, you have to tell me what it says the real version is. Because um, I got, I will, I will, I will speak uh, truth. To oh, it doesn't say this, this is done, this doesn't have a recipe or anything on this. Um, it just says. Um, the drink will make you feel like your brains got smashed out with a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Well, we yeah. will. So, we yes. To, is... We haven't got the recipe on that. But it is a wild <laughs> drink, I understand. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> if I can find it here. <laughs> While you're looking for that, we can talk about another one. Right. Um, because the the... Going back to Star Wars for a second, the the ration bread mm-hmm. that Ray has on Jakku, there's right. an actual recipe for that now. Because the 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 piece in the movie is just a practical effect. It's mm-hmm. not a real food item, like you would say. You know, right. have a recipe and you people have now since come up with it. Uh, it involves spinach, but. This was an actual physical prop, a physical practical effect on set because a lot of people thought it was CGI. And right. it came out afterwards, no, that's a real that's a real thing we did there in the room with her. Mm-hmm. And and the they said figuring out the mechanics of it was fairly easy because you got to inflate it and then you got to suck the water out, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a pretty pretty simple thing to do. But then figuring out what it looked like that was their biggest thing, trying to figure out the the aesthetics of it, not the mechanics of it, which I thought was really interesting, that it took them longer to figure out what it looked like than it did how to make it. <laughs> but there actually is now a recipe out there for that bread. I think it's like a spinach-based bread, you know, you know, like a dinner roll yeah, type uh-huh. of thing. Um, actually doesn't sound bad. No. Okay. Bad. So the, uh, this, these are the official ingredients of the Pangalactic Gargolaster. Gosh. Uh, having read the uh, listing online for the human equivalent, uh, no, <laughs> sorry guys, you're not trying hard enough. Uh, take the juice from one bottle of Old Jank Spirit. Yes, uh, Old Jank Spirit would be a, a drink of an alien kind. Pour it into one measure of water from the seas of Centrogenius Centra, Five. Oh, those Centrogenian seawater. Oh, those Centrogenian fish. Allow three cubes of Arcturian Mega Gin to melt into the mixture. It must be properly iced or the benzene is lost. <laughs> Allow four liters of Phalian marsh gas to bubble through it in memory of all those happy hikers who have died of pleasure in the marshes of Phalia. <laughs> Over the back of a silver spoon float a measure of collation hypermint extract, redolent of all the heady odors of the dark uh, collation zones, subtle, sweet, and mystic. Drop in a tooth of an Angolian sun tiger. Watch it dissolve, spreading the fires of the Angolan suns deep into the heart of the drink. Sprinkle zamphor. Add an olive. Drink, but very carefully. <laughs> uh, the effects are, um, well, you should never drink more than two pangalactic gargle blasters unless you are a 30-ton mega elephant with bronchial pneumonia. And once you once you do drink at least two of those, <laughs> you will be reciting Vogon poetry all the rest oh, of the night. Oh, good Lord, yes. It is effects are similar to having your brain smashed in by a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brook. And the official human recipe, mm-hmm. which is is here, um, I'm a little concerned that they really aren't trying hard enough because one tablespoon of gin, one tablespoon of light rum, one tablespoon of vodka, one tablespoon of tequila, 
two tablespoons of creme of creme de menthe liqueur, two tablespoons of, of Giuliano, and an ice uh, one cup of ice cubes and one slice of lemon. Where's the olive? Well, there's no olive there. But not only that, but, I'm thinking but, to myself. Okay, I presume this is one glass. Right? I, w- I would assume so. Yeah, and I keep thinking that's a double tequila. That's a that's a double. Uh, um, oh, for heaven's sakes! <laughs> yeah, one of those. That's oh, oh, it's it's a double Long Island iced tea. And I'm thinking, no, that's not. We're only <laughs> like getting the head with a <laughs> the head with a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. Um, it sounds like it would probably taste disgusting, though. Yeah. Well, and, and that's I'm like, well, you, it's because they don't have the tooth dissolving in. Well, exactly. Yeah, that yeah. makes all the difference, right? So clearly, you're not going to drink more than two. You're going <laughs> right. to get to the end of the second one. And you're like, okay, I'm drunk, and oh god, I got to wash my mouth out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you will probably want to wash your mouth out uh, as well for Kepmok blood ticks. Remember those? Generally speaking, Galaxy Quest, blood, ticks, and food <laughs> go together. <laughs> I'm thinking some scope or yeah, 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 maybe turpentine. There, yeah, there you go. There's your there's your commercial for mouthwash. When you've had a full day, kept mock blood ticks. And you see him lean over to try and kiss the girl, and she's like, "Whoa, <laughs> oh my grandpa's hammer! You I must don't clean your mouth." Think so. <laughs> this is an ad. This it is. is. We, <laughs> we should do, we should do we some do of these. We should do. It's like, uh, oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> try new. <laughs> <laughs> Slurm as a mouthwash. Uh, okay, well, what would your what would your science fiction mouthwash be? That would have to be made into something. Oh some... yeah, now you'd have to come out with something. Because it couldn't um, just be like you know. Because I don't think there is one. It could just be like alcohol and and you know basically alcohol and water, which most mouthwash really are just alcohol and water. Well, you'd have to have some kind of a mint flavor. <laughs> so um... not with mint. <laughs> <laughs> God, we gotta find. There's your second commercial. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta figure out what that what that mysterious liquid is gonna be. Oh, Oh, there we go. No, it's the water of life from uh, Dune. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or it's or it's mixed with the water. By the end of it, your eyes are your eyes are blue. (laughs) Second commercial is now with mint, and your eyes are green. (laughs) There we go. Oh wow. There we go. We'd need a jingle. And you can fold space. You know? we, would need, we would need a jingle. Oh, God. You know, like with Big Red, kiss a little longer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, wow. Right? Uh, That's what we need to do. We need to, I, we need to make a note. We need to start making some commercials. Oh, God, for, yes. We would for, do that. Well, we can make we, – because we were talking about earlier today um, the idea of putting together a restaurant. Right, yeah. And how difficult that is and how oh, much yeah, of sure. challenges it is. And I told you about my idea for – Mm-hmm. This restaurant, name it Ten Forward, and have all of these different cuisines. Yeah, we could start doing fake commercials for. You know, we could we do commercials for fake restaurants, <laughs> you know, the restaurant of the inner universe, mm-hmm. and Guinans, and you know whatever whatever else comes up with. But yeah, after a full day of kept my blood ticks. <laughs> oh wow! Oh yeah, this is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mint. <laughs> 
All right. We are going to do some mint after after that. Uh, uh, having some, we are going to refill coffee mugs, and uh, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we will continue our discussion of food and in in the science fiction universe multiverse. We haven't really gotten into fantasy stuff yet. We'll talk some science fiction stuff. That's true. I haven't. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get to that and uh, and other things. Uh, if you have your favorite science fiction food item that you would like to share with us, of course, the email address h2o at sci-fi for me.com. And we will be back right after this. You're listening to H2O on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Jedi, Sith, Tauntauns. No matter which side of the Force you claim, we are your go-to holocron for all the latest Star Wars news, rumors, and innuendo. Imperial Intelligence has got nothing on us. We've got your salacious crumbs every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Central U.S. exclusively on Sci-Fi For Me TV. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Sci-Fi For Me Radio, transmitting by the power of Skull. Back on H2O, Jason Hunt here along with Timothy Harvey. Hi there. And we're talking, you know, we're, we're, we're in our safe space this week. We're talking munchies. We're talking munchies. We're talking the foods. Yes. Because, you know, after, after the week that we've had, mm-hmm. I would imagine that there are quite a few people out there that are stress eating a little bit. Yeah, that, I would imagine that's something that's going on. But I think that comfort food, although although <laughs> a lot of science fiction food is not comfort food. No. So I wouldn't agree. And if, that, if you're finding comfort in eating other people, that's a different genre, actually. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it can be science fiction. But generally speaking, that falls under the thriller and serial killer right. part of the mystery genre. Horror stuff. And we can talk about that as well. But there is some science fiction cannibalism. But perhaps a different episode. Yeah. Well, you know, Ewoks. Oh, Ewoks? Definitely Ewoks. You guys do know that Ewoks are carnivores, right? Folks at home? Yeah. They did eat the stormtroopers. (coughs) Yep, yep. Exactly. (laughs) Where do you think they got all the helmets to play at the end, Right. There's skulls inside those helmets. Yep, yep. Oh, did you, you see? Uh, did you uh, did you read the X Wing series of books? Yeah. Do you remember the um, the stuffed Ewok that they put into Wedge's ship? I it, you know how long there, it's been since I read there was it. Yeah, there's a gag no, I don't, I don't. there's a gag and I can't remember which one it is because there's like ten of the books. Mm-hmm. There's a gag in one where somebody says somebody makes a joke about an Ewok flying an X Wing. Okay. And the next next thing you know, there's a stuffed Ewok in the cockpit of an X-Wing. And so then it becomes this gag, this mm-hmm. running joke that they're saying. And then, in order to really confuse people, I think it was Corrin Horn was in the cockpit 
with the with the stuffed Ewok at, no. in front of him. Yeah. So people would look like, is that an Ewok flying an X-Wing? <laughs> what? io9, um, every now and again, if they really want to, they want to just have something to write about that day. Mm-hmm. Um, they will trot out how terrible the Crystal Star is. Oh, yeah, Vonda Von McIntyre's book. And... Uh, it is pretty bad. It is pretty bad. And I like Fonda McIntyre, a lot of Fonda McIntyre stuff. However, it yeah. is it is widely regarded as the worst of the Star Star Wars novels. Yeah. And that's not a blame thing. Sometimes if, for the we we know cuz we know people who write in these things, a lot of times they're subject to a lot of editorial controls. Yeah. Are, the thing about it is that the the problem with the Crystal Star and when I was reading is it, Legion. <laughs> there's more than one problem with the Crystal Star. Well, the primary problem is that none of the characters are acting in character. Right. Yes. Which has me wondering because when you when you read Vonda McIntyre's novelizations of the Star Trek movies, mm-hmm. she did Star Trek 2 and Star Trek 3. Yeah. There are some moments in those mm. books where the characters are not quite right. Well, okay, but not so. But for for Crystal Star, none of them are right at all ever. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, Han Solo wouldn't do that. Luke wouldn't do that. Leia wouldn't. Why am I reading this? Yeah, so, but yeah, they, in fact, they, I think it was yesterday. Uh-huh. One, of the, one of their writers sat there and went, I don't want to talk about anything today, so I'm going to talk about the Crystal Star and why this is a terrible novel. And, and you know what? Hey, I, I completely get it. But that's why we're talking about one of the reasons. <laughs> one of the reasons, not the only reason. We do, because we do this anyway. We don't talk. We don't, we don't talk. One day we should do a, an episode about politics in in genre, in genre because there's some there, there's some really interesting stories to be told there and discussions to have, mm-hmm. and that's actually a, that's more than one podcast to be honest because the, yeah. the range of well and you could actually we could do that as an echo chamber as well because you get a bunch of perspectives in oh, there sure. but we can talk about you know things like. Animal Farm in 1984 and Fahrenheit 451. And, uh, or Dune or The Mode of God's Eye yeah. or Star Wars. I mean, the, the political structure in Star Wars is, you know. Or Star you, Trek. Or, exactly. There's yeah. there's all these different or pretty much every – if you if you have a you know, Doctor Who pulls from a lot of different things. So you've mm. got, you know, you can go to a different political structure every week. And God knows they have. Hmm. Some of them have been completely ludicrous. But – there, there, are, there are podcasts for us to do and episodes for us to do yeah. that, that cover this. Interesting pol- political uh, stories and stuff in the Honor Harrington books. Oh, sure. From David Weber. Um, <clears throat> complete sidetrack here. Looking at a lot of TV tropes in the last couple of days because I was trying to avoid politics. Um, needed to break myself. And they were discussing – I was looking at villains because um, I was remembering a series of books called the Cold Fire Trilogy. Mm, okay. Um, excellent, excellent fantasy series. Um, C.S. Friedman, I think. I can't remember if that's if that's the author, and I think so. But um, one of the main characters is clearly the bad guy, right? All right. He's a vampire. He's a murderer. He periodically shows up and slaughters every one of his own descendant, descendants, except for one who looks like him. He, find, mm. he finds someone who looks the most like him and lets them live. He's just, it's just a long term eugenics experiment. And he's, you know, he's clearly the monster, yeah. except he's on the good guy's side because there are worse monsters out there. Oh, wow. And so one of the things they were talking about is they got into this where you look at some of the villains in Honor Harrington mm-hmm. and they're clearly the bad guys. Yeah. 
But every now and again, you get one whose viewpoint is completely logical. Oh, sure. Yeah. And you're going, well, they're still the bad guy, but you get them. You understand them. Well, and, and you get some in in those books. Uh, I can think right off the top of my head, uh, pa- Pavel Young mm-hmm. uh, is on Harrington's side, mm-hmm. you know, governmentally, but is clearly a bad guy because yeah. he's an antagonist for honor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we might have to have to do. Maybe sure. Well, I think we'll give us give us a little give us a few weeks yeah, or a, 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 little a space couple of years, a couple of years. <laughs> but there's got to decompress. There is cool. There are cool stories to tell there. Yeah, I um, think so. Well, and you could do one. You could do you know not only politics. You could do one on religion and philosophy too. Oh, sure. I mean, there's some of the science fiction religions. Um, you can go with Canticle Canticle for Leibowitz, which in many ways is I think for a lot of older fans maybe one of the defining science fiction religious novel religious. Yeah. Science fiction novels, of course, C.S. Lewis, sure, um, or Tolkien, or Tolkien, or you know Frank Herbert. There's the every oh goodness, pretty much the the themes of of religions and how religions impact humanity is one of the core through lines on the mm-hmm. Dune series. Yeah, with the Benny Jesuit, and I would definitely say for the Frank Herbert run, less so for the sequels and the right, prequels, right. but. Um, the, yeah, for the Bene Gesserit, for the Honored Matres, for 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 Leto's uh, God Emperor religion that he built, he basically built himself. Hmm. Um, some really interesting comments on on the human condition through that stuff. Yeah, there'll be some good good stuff to talk about. Let's talk about food. All right, food. <laughs> um, Our digressions ever. Chocolate frogs from the Harry Potter series. Chocolate frogs. <laughs> so here's the problem I have with chocolate frogs: is all I can remember is the Monty Python bit <laughs> where the food was fatal. Where the <laughs> Where Crunchy Frog, mm-hmm. Crunchy Frog still had the bones were still in. Oh, <laughs> what's what? It's got bones in. It. Well, of course it does. It's Crunchy Frog. <laughs> <laughs> it took the bones out. It wouldn't be crunchy. It's like, or is, or is it? They had it, a, they had coconut a coconut surprise with the steel springs that pop out your cheeks. Oh yeah, yeah well, yeah. and they had the they had a, a spam bit too. Oh yeah, you know, the spam, spam, <laughs> yeah, exactly. spam, spam. Speaking of which, we looked it up in the break. Yes. Developed after, pre, during... Pre, Pre-World War II. Pre-World War II. 37, 38, was it? Okay. 38. 38. 1938. Yeah. So, so it predates uh, it predates Tang. By, by a couple decades. Yeah. All right. So this fun fact brought to you by <laughs> Slurm. By the Spam Marketing Board. Send, I had a thought. Send your check. I had a thought <laughs> for one of the commercials that we do. Mm-hmm. We do something that is <clears> – <throat> it's a food product that alters your personality. Okay? okay. I don't know what it was going to be. Well, several of those exist. Uh, and and our main character mm-hmm. starts off as Hans Gruber, a Hans Gruber type, right? Mm-hmm. And then he comes home and does whatever, has the meal, right. and he turns into – I don't know. What's the polar opposite there of Hans Gruber? It's um, – Okay, well, you know, but uh, I don't know. We have to try to find line because the commercials for oh, is it Snickers that does the commercials? Oh yeah, you've got, right, right, you've got, right, right. Uh, oh well, you could parody those. <laughs> but the have a slurm. <laughs> Why? Because you're not acting like yourself. Better? Yes, yeah. better. <laughs> you need to go the opposite <laughs> way, though. Oh Whereas... yeah, there we go. There we go. 
Well, like, the, uh, the 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 blood ticks. You the, the, the person, the person, you know, picking flowers. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? And all of a sudden, it's like on warrior going. <laughs> oh, oh, we can have some fun with that because we get some of the some of the cosplayers. Oh yeah. To be, uh, <laughs> now we're gonna now we're now we're starting to think now we're starting to think, and then we put, every we could put every, together all, we could put them all together make an hour and a half. Film, just like the old boob tube. Remember those? Oh, where there was a, the, st- yeah, string the t- of really the ten greatest commercials of all time <laughs> type of thing. Oh, we could do that. You know, the the galaxy's best commercials, yeah. and we get Tom to narrate, kind of like Gary Owens. Oh, sure, to sound like Gary Owens. <laughs> oh, this would be fun. And every every break, you know, because you know, it's it's a special sure, that presents these commercials. So of course it's hosted. Of course, and of course it goes to commercials, <laughs> and at. At the commercial break, we have, I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> that could be the name of the special. <laughs> that could be the name of the special. I'll buy that for a dollar all hour. The, the I'll buy that for a dollar hour. Uh, right? <laughs> what was the What was the car? Well, because we'd have to expand this and not not just food stuff, but you know, you could do all sorts of. Oh, of course. No, no, you, know, you, you could definitely do a, have to. You could advertise weapons and cars and clothes. Oh, and sure. Smilex. <laughs> right? Well, and you could you could you could go you could play with it a lot of different ways. Remember the old the the public service announcements essentially that were of the parody things that we uh-huh. would get from like Starship Troopers where it's like, you know, here's a piece of information. I have wanted to do a couple of those for us mm-hmm. for about six years now mm. trying oh, yeah. to think of different ways because because tom's good tom has that perfect voice oh yeah do that. and it's just figuring out what yeah. to do you know how do you how do you do that maybe that's the one we could juxtapose that one with the uh at the bus stop the the football fans at the mm-hmm. bus stop, you know the cosplayers of the football fans meet at the bus stop yeah and you know you, it looks like they're gonna rumble right <clears throat> Okay. All right. The wheels, they are a turning. Um, I can smell the smoke. So what else have we got food-wise, food food stuffs? We talked a little bit about Gach. Um, Romulan ale, of course, not to be not to be served at uh, political dinners. Also illegal. Illegal. <laughs> Everyone makes a very good point about pointing out that Romulan ale is illegal. So the question is, how come our heroes have such an easy supply of Romulan? Who do our heroes know? Who's Kirk's source? How does Scotty get his Romulan ale? Harry Mudd. Probably. Yeah. Or Cyrano Jones. But it says something about this. It says something about the, the import-export well, rules. Well, Star Trek Two, McCoy was the one that brought it in. He's got a border ship that brings him in a couple of cases every <laughs> now and again. Right? Uh, clearly, the uh, Star Trek borders are very porous when it comes to trade. They need to build a wall. Oh, God. <laughs> No, we will not discuss this. We will not discuss this. We will not discuss this. Uh, you walked right into that. You I did. You I walked right into the wall. Set that up so perfectly. Yeah. So. Also, that still manages to indicate two-dimensional thinking. That does. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, okay, uh, what else? There's, um, um, well, in, in the old, in the original Star Trek, mm-hmm. the food cubes. Right. How would we how would we sell that if we make a commercial for those food cubes? What would we call them? Oh no! Now that stuff's easy. It's called uh, um, it's called a lot of vegetarian cuisine. Dello, 
Well, um, it's Jello or it's uh, oh, for heaven's sakes, what's that horrible stuff um, that has no flavor of its own? Oh, um, yes, I know what you're talking about, and I've just gone blank on it as I, well. I used to live with a vegetarian. You'd think I would know this. Uh, tofu, tofu, thank you, thank you. Yes, yeah, tofu. tofu. Um, you know, it's, we all remember at the same time. <laughs> tofu. It's essentially what it is. I mean, that's it's science fiction food cubes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just add flavor. Um, I've had some really good tofu dishes. Not, not to not to bash on it, but it's not I, I, my issue with tofu was always the texture. Yeah, and also the fact that it is any food that does not come with its own flavor is not actually food. <laughs> no, it's something you can consume to survive. Which I guess technically is a food, but still, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not again, not to knock it because it's, uh, I've had some really good, to, but it's never really been. Yeah, I'm not su- searching out tofu dishes. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, uh, you look at shows like Farscape, where quite easily they Im- they got the impression of alien food by recognizing that their audience was primarily Americans, right? And so they got a lot of. Uh, uh, the, the the cuisine of the islands going up to all the, all the way up to really Japan because uh, of course they shot down in in, in Australia sure right. and so American audiences were not necessarily familiar with a lot of Japanese cuisine or mm. or just any of the South China Seas or any of that stuff so this stuff is all right there and yeah. all they had to do was put it on camera and, and maybe, maybe color it a little maybe bit. color it a little bit yeah. and it looked like alien food whereas audiences in the country who weren't watching it at the same time as we were, no. they would look at it and go, oh, I've had that. That's very tasty. <laughs> What's that? How, how do the aliens get a hold of that that human food? Mm-hmm. What kind of... <clears throat> their import-export laws are terrible. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> what kind of tariffs are they paying exactly. on that? Oh, good Lord. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you know. well, you have the wormhole tax. You have the transport tax. You have the import-export tariffs you'll notice that most of these most of science fiction wisely stays away yeah from thinking too hard on and I th- i'm sure some do i'm sure i'm sure somebody wrote a really has written well, a really good story the, about it the honor verse is really good about those details little little things like that but I mean, you also, but, economy stuff is a third of all the plots and stuff is yeah, very but intricate. Yeah, but I think, but I also think that if you were to, like so many other things, if you were to stare directly at it for too long, no, it holds up. Well, internal structure is the, I mean, turn, internally as long as it holds up. Yeah, because but if you start applying it to actually like, well, I, I, time I asked, and distance, because I asked David Weber about that. Yeah, when, when I saw him, when we talked to him up in Omaha, and he does a lot of research and trying to make sure that scientifically it's. Well, sure, you know, but how close. can? But as far as like the economy stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, he's his background is in history, right? And so he's he's done a lot of studies of various different mm-hmm. government structures and historical events and whatnot. So he can take aspects of different things that work that don't work and mm-hmm. and apply them in the books, depending on on which government that he's talking about. Well, I suppose you could argue, so, I, and I suppose <clears throat> you could argue that there's some comparisons between the sea of stars and the sea of you know the ocean itself, where right. you would basically have you know the economy of this country versus the economy of this country and how they were both trading with each other, so they're finding a common ground. Right. But generally speaking, most science fiction series don't do that. So you end up with things called "Here's a credit." Yeah. And you sit there and go, "What's a credit worth?" 
And how do you determine what the – I mean, is, is a credit always worth the same thing? Is a credit well, on Deep Space Nine worth like, the same as credit on Earth? It's like it's like uh, gold press latinum. Yeah. Yeah. Up, up until whenever they started talking about gold press latinum, they're still using money. We have to find some. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like – Wait, you have a you have you have a society that has no money. Well, makes no sense at all. Right, whatsoever. and, and <clears throat> even though even though Star Trek: The Voyage Home is one of the great fun joys of the Star Trek films, mm-hmm. there were so many things where they went completely off the history of the show. Where they're talking about money, they're talking about swearing. It's like, yeah, we've heard Star Trek characters swear before, guys. Well, it only it was happened played for humor. Well, yeah, but it only happened one time in the series. Yeah, but on Wrath of Khan, yeah, you got swear. But it was never. I mean, start the you were. You're never looking for you. You. you it's not the kind of stories. Even even the current Star Trek films. Yeah. You will have the occasional, pre, the precision strike. It'll be the one. Right. It'll be it'll come out of nowhere. You'll sit there and go. It, it's usually McCoy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> of course. What kind of a dish could you make out of a seti eel? Or would you? Oh, no. No. Although, I Maybe think that would be kind of a, a science fiction version of escargot? You would have... you. The only reason to eat a seti eel would be out of revenge. You are going... It, the seti eels... The seti eels got into your wife's brain oh, no, and no, killed her oh, and a, you will consume them all out of revenge no th- there's there's a ritual involved your name is when Khan. you go, when you go to the <laughs> you go to the restaurant to order seti eels yeah. it's like it's like when you go when you go to see um rocky horror picture show there's a, there's a, an entire event around it right so if you go so you, you know you go in dallas there's a restaurant called the magic time machine uh-huh where the 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 staff Dresses up as various different characters. Sure, right. Sure, it's its theme. Mm-hmm. So, seti eels you would only be able to get at this themed restaurant. Mm. Okay, and before you consume the seti eels, you would have to sit there and say, "God." <laughs> oh, you know what it would Maybe? be though? It would be the kind of food that everyone would look at and go. Only the horribly rich eat this because everyone else would be like, "That sounds disgusting." It's <laughs> yeah, like, it's exactly. Like, it's, it's, uh. You bloodsucker! You're gonna have to do your own dirty work now. <laughs> See, like, you get this whole this whole thing where you you interact with the seti eel before you consume seti eel. Right? Uh, <laughs> I, just, no? I have to say that generally speaking, I don't like that much interaction with my food. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, then you can you can skip the ritual suicide. <laughs> that happens after you consume the city. Yeah. Uh, Kill him uh, now! Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I reading? Um, it was one of the... Oh, it's... it's I've been, been listening to a lot of audiobooks, and there's, there's a... Sure, a right. There's a series I've just started listening to called uh, Ho- Ho- Johannes Cabal, the Necromancer. And okay. it's vaguely Lovecraftian. It's, it's a world oh, where yeah, yeah, Lovecraftian love love yeah. monsters exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about the cuisine of a country which is meant to be sort of a parody of um, uh, your militaristic Germanic country. But it's right. also very much a fictional – it's sort of in, in the flavor of the fictional countries like Ruritania. Okay. Which it's actually right next to. Yeah. So, um, but they were discussing the foods 
that they that the other courts manly foods you know you know the when they get a, you get a beer stein that's about you know thirty two gallons <laughs> or and one of the one of the characters orders steak and she comes out and she's like what do I mercy kill it now because like, it's still alive I mean because it's pretty sure that this thing just stopped breathing it's like they took up they took a match. And they showed it a picture of a match to the meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and, I know some people who eat meat like that. I, you know, I tend to like my I tend to like my food well done. And I realize that that there are many people who could argue that that is entirely the wrong way to eat food. Right. However, uh, I like it. So Good. suck it up, folks. Hey, that's <laughs> something that we agree on. <laughs> What's going to happen next? We agree on a lot of things. Dogs and cats living together. We agree on a lot of things. Um, and we try not to talk about too many other things that we don't because <laughs> we like agreeing about the girl like agreeing about things because it makes life more fun. Um, sorry, you know, Mindy, the intern, is over there shaking her head at me. Seriously, no. A well done steak tastes like happiness. Okay, <laughs> it does. Yeah, and mi- seasoned well, a little bit, of, a little bit, like a little crispy, carbonizing on the outside. Just a little bit. Come on. Yeah. Um, also, because. I have found that in many, many restaurants, if you say medium well, it comes out a lot less than medium well. Yeah. 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 It comes out a little bit too pink. Yeah. And quite frankly, maybe because I don't want to see blood-looking anything coming out of my food. I spent time on Rokeg blood pie. There you go. Right? Um, I'm from a culture that has something called blood pudding in it. All right, I, there's things I try to stay away from. <laughs> oh, at this at this restaurant that we're gonna that we're gonna promote. Mm-hmm. All right, there has to be a happy hour with a special on prune juice. <laughs> of course, <laughs> because it's a warrior's drink. <laughs> well, we, and we... and now that Doctor Strange is out, we can actually say this: you can have the self refilling beer mug. <laughs> the, the the beer mug of infinite holding you know just to bring in some D D for it right uh, well yeah because we haven't even we so much of this stuff is science fiction we didn't really talk about fantasy yeah well um, this this one list that i printed out there's only one limbus from lord of the rings is that the that's not the Limbus bread. Yeah. Whey bread. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much the only well, thing we could, that we I've found about, anywhere. We could talk about dwarf bread from um, the Terry Pratchett books, which uh, is also a weapon. Right. Um, not only can you survive off it, but you can also defend yourself to the death with it. Um, it like, is an, like you do. It is an acquired taste. Well, it's like the um, uh, the throat rolls at Lambert's, mm-hmm. which is a restaurant down in Springfield, Missouri. Have you ever been down there? I've not. I've been to Springfield, but I've never been to Lambert. They actually, it, it's. I don't know. Do have are, do, are they still? Do they still throw them? Because I remember somebody brought a lawsuit or something or anything. But yeah, you go. You well, go down. You get there. hit in the face with a with a roll. You might be a little upset. You, you you'll you know if you're if your table you still yeah. need rolls right. They will throw them across the room towards you. I'm all in favor Not at of this. you. Not at you. Well, no, Towards you. Because there is a difference between having something thrown to you and thrown at you. Yeah. If something is thrown at you and it hits you in the eye. That's a different then thing. Then by all means, that's what a lawsuit is for. It's a personal injury sure. lawsuit and you've, someone yeah. has injured you. If someone, if you ask someone for a role yeah. and they throw it's, a role to you. That is just their delivery system. And if you turn at the wrong moment. That's right. Airborne delivery. There is a risk inherent. That's right. And one has to remember that in law, in, in life, 
Some risks inherent need to be accepted. Risk is our business, Jim Kirk says. Trouble <clears throat> is our business, yes. says Raymond Chandler. Well, that's not genre. Well, it depends, because uh, detective stories have figured quite prominently in many Star Trek incarnations. That's true. And in fact, genre and science, uh, uh, the mystery genre and the detective genre crossover quite regularly with science fiction. I'm Batman. Um, Dark City. Mm. Sin City. Sin City. Oh, certainly Sin City. But, but Dark City uh, is still probably one of the finest examples of crossing the noir genre and the science fiction genre. Cool world. Is such Do you a even wanna... wasted opportunity. I know. I such... know. I have some... Somebody said something years ago about someone wanting to do a reboot of Cool World because it was such an idea, and I never heard anything else. I don't think it got any further than that because it was such. A, it's such a fascinating, and especially right now when you've got the comic book explosion oh, yeah. in film. Well, plus, I mean, you look at what's what's on TV now. You get Son of Zorn, mm-hmm. which is a live action animated mix. Yeah. You've got all of these. You know, things like uh, uh, pixels mm-hmm. and whatever other, you know, well, all, all these where you have a mix of live action and CG. Okay, that's another example of a completely missed opportunity. Oh, I know. And, and, and <clears throat> uh, ladies and gentlemen. They'll make we, up for it with shoots and ladders. Can we all just acknowledge that Adam Sandler has lost his way? Yeah, I think, I think he's done. And we need to stop giving him money. He's think, got enough. I think he's done. He's got enough. I mean, come on. He has enough money. Give me some of that money. I'll give you a much better performance in any role that you're going to cast him in. I and we'll even God. include commercials. We will include commercials. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> All right. So um, we are just about out of time. Yep. <clears throat> sadly. So uh, we'll, we'll invite you to share your thoughts. Uh, H2O at sci fi me.com. Give us your favorite food dish and from whence it came story-wise and uh, and why you like it we'll uh, we'll read our emails and and share those with you also if you would if you listen to us on iTunes don't forget to rate and share and uh, you of course can find all of us uh, all of the 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 social media mm-hmm. stuffs uh, over there just look for sci-fi for me and and other podcasts over on iTunes and podcast.com and the latest news and TV recaps and reviews and such like at our main site, sci fi for me.com. And that's going to do it for us this week. I think we've just decompressed a little bit. We have. A little. We have. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, all of you out there are calm, collected, sane, patient. We, we, we hope that everyone understands that we're all going to get through it no matter how you feel about this. Yes. For good or for ill, you're, everyone's going to be okay. Yes. We. And for those of you who are who are worried about not being okay, well, everywhere your friends We're are gonna, all going to be okay. Your friends are going to be there for you. That's let's, right. Let's just let's just say that all, yes. everybody's friends are going to be there for. Them. And <clears throat> for all of us here at Sci-Fi for Me, mm-hmm. good night and good luck. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio, copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio.